Not content with your content? You've come to the right place. The Discontent Show with Joe Kuzma. Every brand starts with a story. Here's how you can grow your business by sharing it. Now, with today's topic, the host of The Discontent Show, Joe Kuzma. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Discontent Show. My name is Joe Kuzma, and I've got something to talk about today that I haven't mentioned for close to a year now. It's hard to believe it's been a year of The Discontent Show. Um, I'd like to thank everyone for your support and for listening to the program. And sorry my workload gets a little busy. I, I you know, I rotate it out to every other week, but uh, I'll try and keep the frequency going as I can and as topics come in and even some other interesting things that I'm getting, uh, you know, requests for. So uh, it should be another great year of the Discontent Show, and thanks for coming along on the ride with me. But today I wanted to revisit something, maybe one of the earlier topics that I brought up. Of course, I always talked about the five pillars of content marketing, at least my five pillars of content marketing. Believe it or not, you know, when I go to say this, sometimes I draw a blank because there's so many different types of marketing that are out there. But I do believe anybody that's looking for a low-cost, efficient and effective way of reaching people that these are the five main ways that you could do so, of course. Uh, having a blog is number one. I think that's chief and paramount above all of them. Of course, you know, SEO-wise, you should be posting stuff on your site and changing things and keeping content fresh. If you do have a blog, hey, you know what? Twice a month, pretty good. Every other week, hey, that's pretty good frequency. I'm doing it right with the podcast. So podcasting is obviously another one. And it's a pretty big one too, because just like blogs, um, the barriers to entry are very, you know, low. It, it, you may just have some equipment costs, but a lot of times you have some of these things sitting around that you're still capable of at least getting your message out there, you know, even if it's bare bones, so to speak. And then as it continues to, you know, gain momentum and you get better at it and you maybe even find that you like doing this stuff, then you invest a little more in it just like anything else, right? But those two things are kind of big because you control them. One thing you don't always have control over is social media. That is the third pillar. And that's things like Facebook, or Twitter or LinkedIn, Instagram, YouTube, I also like to throw in there. YouTube's kind of like the oddball because uh, YouTube could also kind of segue into doing like, you know, a video blog or you could even put your podcast on YouTube. I definitely do that myself. If you're following me, don't forget to subscribe if you're listening over on YouTube as well. I truly appreciate it. Then uh, we have two more, and I don't really talk about ebooks a whole lot. I mean, it's something that you could have as an offer. And a lot of times that's uh, given away, maybe even for free, because you're exchanging it for someone's email address. Hopefully they give you a good one. And emails are, of course, the other pillar. And they kind of, you know, those can go hand in hand or with any other offer. You've seen them like white sheets or some type of advice book, you know, five tips on how to do this. Get the PDF. Give us your email, right? And I did a show before about building an email list, but I kind of wanted to come back around to email in general because there's so many things that I see that are, that are wrong or misconceptions or there's just, you know, 
there's advice here to give that people may not be aware of. And I think the biggest thing is right out the gate is uh, my one of my pet peeves, and I mentioned this before, is if you're still, God forbid, if you have AOL, but uh, I know there's still people out there, you know, they're stuck in the Jurassic period, and <laughs> you have an AOL email address truly showing your age. Uh, don't laugh because my personal email is still from Hotmail, and that's just as old. I don't know that you could even still sign up for a Hotmail, but that's a Microsoft email. But if you have one of these big, you know, main four providers like a Yahoo account, AOL, something from Microsoft like Live or Hotmail or Office or whatever else that they've got right now, or of course Gmail is another big one, you can't just go and send, you know, you can't go and get a list. You can't go buy a list. And number one, I wouldn't advocate doing that. Uh, number two, you wouldn't if you have like a hundred people on it. Uh, you may be able to send to a hundred people at once. But what kind of email is that? What does that email look like when you send it? If you put an attachment there, is it getting delivered? Uh, are you risking getting your Gmail shut down? Do you even look professional sending someone an email from a Gmail address? And these are all things that you kind of have to consider. And if you're trying to cold contact someone. Uh, usually the email providers are not going to be happy, nor are the people receiving your email as much as you think it might be a lead. It's usually better to try and acquire those addresses through you know, your normal means. You're just exchanging business cards if you're meeting people in person or you know, have some type of offer or something to sign up for a newsletter or you're giving a specific widget away with a newsletter uh, or anything else when you exchange or someone exchanges an email for your widget. So these are things to keep in mind. And when you have your own list, you have your own advocates, you're kind of building, if you've ever heard of that sales funnel, you're moving someone down the funnel to maybe perhaps eventually a sale, but they do want to follow you. And email is very important in a very important way to do it. It may seem like old technology. It may seem like a very hit or miss. All of those things are true. However, the biggest thing with email is, is that you control it and you get to harvest and keep the email addresses. When you make a sale on Amazon, you don't really get the email address of someone who made that sale. Typically, you know what I mean? Uh, what usually ends up happening is, is that you're able to send like a blast and, you know, Amazon has all of that information. You're able to send like an email blast out or you have like a, a message that can be sent out and said, oh, well, you purchased blah, blah, blah. But it's kind of like, you know, very informal. It's kind of like doing something through Craigslist. You just can't go and send your own newsletter to, you know, 3,000 people that bought your product on Amazon or even on e on eBay or however you may, if you're an e-tailer, however you may do something like that. So it's kind of important to build your own list and then you own that list and you can take it with you wherever you need or wherever you want. And that's kind of the important part too and where you go and how you send out mass emails and do email marketing. I want to rewind because I mentioned the, I mentioned Microsoft and Gmail and Yahoo and AOL it, not only does it look unprofessional, there is an actual limit to how many emails you could send technically and physically through those services. They have a cap on how big a message can be. 
Uh, they themselves have spam and junk mail filters that may filter things out. It, they may only let you send to 25 people at a time, 30 people at a time. And I do believe in most cases, your email, your standard ISP, your standard email hosting, even if it's through like a web host, um, let's, let's just say you have a regular website hosting and you have a .com name just like joekuzma.com. My email is hello at joekuzma.com. But through that and through my email provider, just the same as those big four as I was mentioning, I'm only allowed a specific amount of relays in within a one-hour period and then sometimes even within a 24-hour or one-day period. And what a relay means is, is whenever an email is sent and whenever an email is received – and I've seen some clients try and do some stuff like this, try and get out a newsletter, and they try and do it, you know, this old-fashioned way, and they'll try and send it, and they'll try and send it through something like Outlook, and some email providers are going to strip that out, and they're going to make it plain text, and you're never going to see all the fancy fonts and comic sans and colors. Please don't do any of that, but I'll get to that in a moment, too. But those type of things, you know, they may not even go through, even if it, if it even lands in someone's inbox because it just came maybe unsolicited from an AOL account. You know what I mean? And I do know some people personally, if you are listening and you <laughs> and you know me and we work together and you have an AOL, this isn't about you. I just happened to single out AOL for whatever reason on this episode. So it's stuck in my brain and it's easier to say than Hotmail. Everybody's like, what's Hotmail? I think most people remember AOL and the disks that used to come in the mail and you know and that's the reason a lot of people you know jumped and got their name at aol.com for an email address and they still use it and a lot of people still have it in their address books and it's tough to get away when you have some equity and something like that but if you're starting this out or you don't have any equity at all you have an email address and nobody emails you then just can it you could always forward to that address too if you need to from a new one it's always preferable that you have something that represents your business kind of like a hello at joekuzma.com but when you go and you try and you know spam the world with your email, uh, not only you know you got considerations: is it going to land in their inbox? Is it going to be flagged as spam? Is it going to bounce back? But if you're doing it through your traditional email provider, what's going to happen is is that you're going to like disable your own email account for at least an hour if you hit that limit. If you're like me and you get a lot of junk email, like as it is, you know you get like maybe 25, 30 offers in your email in an hour and you just tried to send uh, something out to a list of like 200 people you risk you risk totally like taking your business offline when it comes to emails because then if somebody is like actually trying to contact you it may bounce because it's not going to deliver to your inbox because you tried to do email marketing the wrong way don't do that don't use Microsoft like Outlook and don't use, you know, any of those things. What you need is actual email marketing programs. And there's two big ones that come to mind. Uh, Constant Contact is one that advertises an awful lot. I feel like their service is stuck in the Stone Age and I don't necessarily recommend it. But if that's what you got, that's what you got to work with. Because a lot of times if you want a fancy email, you know, you get emails from, oh, I don't know, from different news sites or like, let's just say Sporting Goods companies or anything like that and it's fancy right it got a header on it it almost looks like a mini website like a, or, or an advertisement that you used to get in the sunday paper and in order to achieve that you, you need a you need a program you need someone like a constant contact or my preferred service is mailchimp and 
Constant Contact, uh, it may have changed since I last used it, but you used to have to have someone who had knowledge of like HTML and, oh, geez, I don't even go there with email. But uh, just to be able to get something that looked somewhat fancy, you had to hard code a lot of that. You had to be a coder. You had to know how to write in the internet language. And if you don't know that type of stuff, then it's immediately kind of self-defeating. And I, I know they have different templates and stuff on some of these things, so that may work too. And that's the same way with MailChimp, but it allows you some ability to customize these emails. And you could also hook it into like a WordPress site and things of that nature. So when you get in there, it looks a little daunting. But once you have everything set up, if you have your own list, you're able to import it. Or you could create something and to put on your own website to collect emails and put them in there. Sometimes you could put them in manually. And up to a certain point, MailChimp will actually allow you to use their service for free before they start charging you. If you have you know, X amount, I think it's like 2,000 people or 2,000 emails on your list. Which sometimes you may even have to go through and make sure that there's not a bunch of junk email on a list because you're going to get, you know, a lot of spam like the dot RU Russian, you know, emails and nothing against Russia, but it seems like everything comes from there, you know what I mean? Or Turkey for that matter. And it's just a bunch of spammers just trying to clog up your stuff and et cetera, et cetera. So, but that's a whole other topic for a whole other day. What you're really looking at when you have something like MailChimp is not only a professional looking appearance when it comes to your emails but if you could attach something like your own .com name you have to verify it but it'll it'll basically be sent on behalf of your business so it'll also look more professional just right from the inbox you see it's from blah 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 whatever.com there's a subject line you open it and it's a very nice email you may have to allow images you know that whole trick but when you do that it's going to look a lot better than the plain text thing that came from whoever at aol.com and that's what you're aiming for here especially the other part is is that mailchimp has such a, a high reputation that your emails are more likely to end up in someone's inbox rather than their junk mail. Unless, of course, you spam the world and you're sending messages every day and someone doesn't read it on their end and then pff, it's going to just disappear because that person isn't interested. And guess what? You're, you know, you're, there's nothing you could do about it. <laughs> so, uh, what you're trying to do is you're trying to throw as many darts as the board and see how many bullseyes you can get. And even getting 20% of people to open your email is actually a great number. And it's actually better than maybe any results you can have with an organic post on social media, believe it or not. As long as, you know, you have an email list. Now, if you go and you buy one of these lists, and usually I don't advocate it because they're one or two expensive, and two, half of the email addresses usually aren't tied to your industry, or they're bad or old, and, and they're going to bounce, and then you're going to get in trouble. But usually you're going to get in trouble trying to import those anyway and MailChimp if it's a rather large list of uh, maybe a few hundred or something like that you actually have to declare how you got these emails if you say you bought it or you try and lie uh, it's not going to work. Uh, they're not going to allow you to put everything in there because they have to maintain their systems to be reputable so all other of their customers can have their email delivered to someone's inbox and not end up in junk or get blocked. See, So that's one of the big things, and that's the reason why your normal ISP or your normal a email provider doesn't allow you to just blast out all of these email messages or anything like that because you're going to basically wreck their systems. So just keep that in mind. That's one thing there. If it comes from like, 
like, you know, a chamber of commerce, they don't really allow that either. I think the only thing that's really kind of a, a group email is like if you, I don't know, you belong to like a Lions Club or something like that, then you may be able to use a list like that and import it. You know what I mean? Some type of membership. Let's say you're running a, you know, a, a Cub Scouts or Boy, Boy Scouts, Girl Scouts troop or something like that, and you got uh, a membership email list, that may allow you to skate. And by the way, if you are in that kind of category and you're a nonprofit, MailChimp does offer discounts for nonprofits as well if you have a rather large list. So uh, we actually had this with the church group. Uh, I actually saw this. So those are all things to keep in mind. But when you actually get into the MailChimp interface, you're going to deal with campaigns. You're going to deal with lists. Lists are going to be where you put all the email and addresses. Campaigns is where you're going to actually create the email. And there's all kinds of other features in there, free, paid, premium, whatever it may be. But the bare bones thing is you need to have email addresses in there that you could send to. So you have to create a list. You have to put some emails in. Then you could start actually creating an email, and it's pretty straightforward. You could use a template. You could uh, you could just use a blank if you want. It's going to ask you what list you want to do. It's going to ask you what you want the subject or a preview line to be. I think the biggest thing is is if you end up using a template, you're going to see everything's drag and drop. It's pretty cool because if you set one of these up one time and you like it, you could always copy it, or they have a function called replicate within the campaigns uh, page. So just you know, play around with it a little bit and don't think that, hey, you know what, this took me three hours to do. It may not have to be three hours next time because then maybe you could just change the text in the middle of the body. And that's kind of where I want to go with this real quick just to kind of wrap on how to use something like a MailChimp. When you go in and you're using images, you know, you want stuff that's clean, but if you use like a big image that you just took with like your smartphone, usually it's going to tell you this is no good. And once you uploaded it, you're going to have to edit it. And you're probably going to have to file it down to something under a thousand pixels wide, usually in the ballpark of 800 to 600. So keep that in mind because that's one of the things where just think being on your phone or opening an email and the image was too big. And it just, boom, it just blows out everything. And you can't even read the rest of the email. Someone else is going to think, well, I can't read this. They're going to close out of it. They're going to X out of it. And boom, poof, they're gone. So most of the other blocks that you're going to see in MailChimp are pretty self-explanatory. Doing this as an audio program and not being able to show you is not very beneficial. So I'd prefer you just go in, kind of play around. You can't really screw a whole lot up. It's drag and drop. And just make sure that anything that's in there, like some of the pre-populated information is going to come in automatically. It's going to be like you have to have a physical mailing address that's actually the law in the United States and maybe other places too. But I can tell you for sure that anyone who sends an email should be including information on how to unsubscribe and also a physical mailing address of which your business is located. And in those cases too... MailChimp is going to take care of that for you pretty much automatically. So that's not anything you have to worry about. It's part of the initial setup process when you set up an account before you even create a campaign. But when you get into that campaign and sometimes, you know, you use a template and it has little social media icons at the bottom, get rid of the ones you're not using. Make sure all of those are filled out. None of them are dead and they don't 
go nowhere. Make sure there's no placeholder text, lorem ipsum, and you know the the worst that can happen is if you end up with a typo as well. So I usually prefer to maybe type up my emails first in a Microsoft Word, do like a review, like a spelling and grammar check, particularly if you know you're not strong at these type of things. You know, my mom would admit that right away. This is what you need. You need a spelling and grammar check so you don't send out an email that just looks blah or it's unreadable you know what i mean and make sure your photos aren't too large make sure they're also not too small you just need that you know there's a happy medium there and usually these programs will kind of guide you along the way and let you know hey this is good or bad and when you have all of that together you could either send it right away and it usually goes in like little batches and waves or you could schedule it for a future time and you under a free account with MailChimp, you only get so many emails in a month. But like I said, you know, when we were talking about blogging and podcasting and everything else, every week, every other week, once a month, whatever, if it's a, like a, just a monthly newsletter, however you feel you need to keep in touch with your audience, any potential clients or customers, uh, that's totally up to you. And of course, you could use a paid account and get a lot of the perks and email people daily if you so choose to. And, you know, some of this can also be very time consuming. So if you have a blog, one of the things I like to do is is maybe take a paragraph out of that blog and the title or a picture or something like that. Hey, there's a new blog. Here's a little bit about it. And put a read more in there. If you put the whole thing in the email, you know, is somebody going to read an entire, you know, scroll forever or flick their finger to read the email? The same kind of principles apply as with anything else. Attention span, right? Another thing, too, is attachments. Well, what do I do with this? I have a PDF. I'd like to send this to people. Whenever you put an attachment in an email, it just greatly increases the chances of it ending up in junk mail or being blocked. So what I like to tell people is if you're able to upload this to your website, get a link for where it resides on your website, then put the link in the email. Now, links will do some things like that, too. When you start to put too many images or you don't have enough text in an email or you have attachments or you have a lot of links, there's just like it's like Colonel Sanders' secret recipe when it comes to formulas on how all of these major – most of the people you're going to be emailing are on one of the big four services. Even if they have a, you know, a fancy .com email address like a jokuzma.com, it could be hosted by Office 365. It could be hosted by Google uh, Business, whatever, the big apps for business. They change their name like every six months. So whatever Google's paid business service is, uh, Gmail may be the un underlying technology for that. So you have to keep it in mind even when you're contacting and doing B2B whether uh, or if it's just, you know, your average Joe, pun intended. So I hope these tips helped you out. I hope I actually didn't forget anything with email and just wasn't like rambling and yelling at the clouds here, but uh, these are things that I always see and I guess somebody's going to come out and be like ask me about email signatures too and I'm like, "Hey, look, keep it in plain text because if you're going to sign off on something, when you're on MailChimp, a lot of that stuff's going to be pre-populated anyways. If you're doing it with Outlook, 
either or you should try and stick with as much basic text as possible. When you go into MailChimp, it may actually ask you to put in alternate text or you'll be able to preview a plain text version of your email. Because what's going to happen is, is if it strips out images or, or doesn't execute uh, HTML code on the reader's end and they have to you know, click and allow it, like I said, click and allow photos, then it's just going to look like a blank email. And you don't want it to be one big blank email. That's what happens when some of these businesses send out one big graphic that their you know marketing team or graphic design department put out. It looks like a flyer that goes in a newspaper, and then they don't put any other type of text with it. So try to avoid that as well. Just stick with actual photos that describe and then the actual text that you type with the keyboard as your description for said photos, event, whatever else is going on. And you're going to have much more success and hopefully even see that your emails are, are not only opened in red, but that your list begins to grow. And hopefully, you know what, that helps uh, grow whatever business, hobby, or whatever else that you're working with and doing content marketing for. So and it's definitely worth it. It's not old technology. Everybody gets email. Everyone has an email address just like they have a phone number. And in fact, email is still used far more significantly than anything with social media, believe that or not. And you have about the same success rate as somebody opening something out of their inbox or it not ending up in spam as you do sending out like a tweet or posting on Facebook and hoping that 20% of your audience Usually it's like 16, 17 on maybe 18 on Facebook, not even 20, but email, depending on the industry, 20%, better odds someone's going to read and get your message. Until next time, my name's Joe Kuzma. Don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe. And I always encourage my listeners to be safe, be good, and I'll catch you later. Hi folks, this is Joe Kuzma. <laughs> no, don't worry, you're not hearing things twice. I'm just here to say from the bottom of my heart, thank you for listening to today's show and being a follower and subscriber of the Discontent Podcast. And I want to remind you that if you're interested in more information about all the various things it is that I do, whether it be about this show, content marketing, or you want to ask a question, you may visit me at joekuzma.com. That's J-O-E-K-U-Z-M-A dot com. Or you can follow me as well on Facebook. Make sure you get the page and not the personal profile. Sorry, it's only for friends and family. Also on Twitter at Joe underscore Kuzma, LinkedIn or Instagram. Also, don't forget, if you haven't already, subscribe, whether that be on iTunes, YouTube, or your favorite podcast provider so you don't miss out on any of the great episodes that we have. Once again, thank you again for your support. And I look forward, as always, to speaking and interacting with each of you again soon.